Okay. Oh, we are diving right in. Okay. I'm going to invite Brad to come on up. Brad from KLBC is here sharing with us what's going on at the camp. He's got a message for us, too. We have Brad or Clay come once a year. And, uh, yeah, we are excited. We love camp. And uh, we're – I – I never, you never stop being a youth guy, right? So like the next gen is always going to be a passion of mine. And even though our district may want me to say otherwise, you are our camp. And so <laughs> whatever you need, we're here to support. We're here to help in any way that we can. But uh, yeah, give Brad your undivided attention this morning. Great. Thanks, Matt. That, uh, that was quite the, uh, the welcome. I appreciate it. Uh, we, uh, we sent Clay and Tracy off to Estevan this morning, and uh, as I was driving here, I kind of selfishly was like, I'm glad I'm going to Carlisle. I can just go to Carlisle, and I hope Clay and Tracy make it to Estevan and back, all right? I also sort of chuckled because I have the truck, and they have the minivan, so <laughs> we planned that real well. We're like, you take the van, it's you know, better fuel economy, you're going further, perfect, I'll take the truck. It'll be great. As I'm driving here, I'm like, I'm kind of glad I have the truck. <laughs> uh, it, uh, it's great to be with you. And for those that are joining us online, uh, my name is Brad Weaver. I'm the executive director at Kenosa Lake Bible Camp. Uh, I work close with Clay. And uh, Clay is one of your regular attenders, or as often as sort of uh, camp directors are, are able to attend uh, church. Uh, we, we, you never follow your notes, right? Uh, and so I kind of chuckled because there's a young gal that started attending with us uh, at our church in Wawoda uh, who, who's come through the camp. It's just been an incredible praise uh, story of the Lord plucking someone out of a home that uh, doesn't know Jesus and, and pulling her out and going, you're mine. And, uh, and so she started attending church with us this year and she stopped me at one point and she goes, do you attend your church? Uh, and I kind of laughed. I said, yeah, except my job takes me to a lot of the other churches too. So uh, it is, it's great to be with you. This is one of the, actually the joys of my, my job is that I get to tour around and, and visit with other believers in other communities and, uh, and see how church is done in all sorts of different communities. And so uh, thanks for having me, but, uh, but know that I'm, I'm thrilled to be, be with you here. Uh, oftentimes I'll have my whole group of my wife and four boys, and we are the noisiest ones in church. Uh, but Allison's teaching Sunday school in our church this morning. Uh, so I was the great husband that allowed her to take four kids off to church by herself. And I hopped in the quiet vehicle and drove here. So... <laughs> Uh, let me, let me share a little, a little bit with you about our, our ministry and, and our camp, and then, uh, and then we're going to, we're going to dive into God's word here too. Uh, we, we have so much to be thankful for, uh, as a camp. We continue to see the Lord just do incredible things through, the, through our ministry, and, uh, and, and, and so much to celebrate with that. Clay and Tracy, uh, deserve a whole lot of, uh, the, the, um, gratitude or, or um, the appreciation for that. Uh, they, are, they were the ones that are working closely with our, our youth as uh, throughout the winter months there we run our cold program uh, which is just a, a youth discipleship program that runs uh, three weekends throughout the winter and, uh, and so they, they finished that up. Uh, we have had more youth attend this year than we have in any other years past. 
um, and, uh, and they continue to do such a great work. So thank you as a church for the ways in which you support them and, and equip them, and, and you, are, you, you as a church are sending them off. I know it's just up to Kenosi, uh, but you're sending them off to go and be missionaries for you as a church there too. Uh, and so thank you for that. I will make a little plug here because I don't do this everywhere, but, but uh, they do raise some of their own support. Uh, so if there are those that, uh, that are here or online that would like to be, be full partners with them, and, and whether that's on monthly contributions or annual contributions or to be part of their prayer team, uh, talk to them. You can talk to me afterwards too, uh, but you can talk to Clay and Tracy and find out how uh, you could be part of that and, and really be partnering with them, and, uh, and that would be fantastic. We're, uh, we're busy getting ready for camp this summer. We've got over 300 registrations already that have come in. Normally our registrations, we open registration, we get a bit of a flood in, and then things die down until it warms up and we're still waiting for it to warm up. Uh, but our registrations have just, they, they, we took off. We opened February 1st, and we're seeing registrations come in faster and more of them uh, than, than we often do at this time, and, which is great. It's a fantastic problem. The problem that it presents is that that means we need more staff and more volunteers in order to welcome these kids uh, to camp this summer. And so if you're interested in joining with us, uh, we're needing volunteers, cooks, maintenance, cleaning, uh, nurses. Uh, I have papers at the back uh, for those of you that are here. If you are online or, or in Redverse this morning, uh, I don't know who's all seeing this, uh, but uh, all of that inf same information that we have is on our website at kenosi.ca. So as well, if you get bored listening to me this morning and just want to find out more information for yourself or something to scan on your phone, you can pretend you're on your Bible app, but you go to kenosi.ca. And uh, you can find out a lot of the information. We have our volunteer calendar there. Uh, if you've got a young family, you've got young kids, and you're going, well, I can't come and volunteer because what would I do with my two- to seven-year-old kids? I've got, you know, I've got ten of them. What would I possibly do with them? How could I volunteer with all of these kids? We've taken care of that problem. Uh, we have at camp what we call our early years program where you can show up as a whole family, come and volunteer with us, and your kids, ages two to seven, we don't do under two because uh, it's really hard to find you know, teenagers that are willing to change diapers. Uh, but uh, for kids that are ages two to seven, we'll be part of our early years program. And so they run off and do camp at camp and every evening they come back and they join with you uh, in your lodging and you get family time together when you have your break times the kids have their break times from the program and you can still enjoy camp as a family but it allows you to have some great adult time with other adults and we'll look after your kids and and have a blast and allow you to come and serve together as a family uh, if you're interested in that again there's more information on our website or at the back for that uh, the other major preparation that we're doing is our dining hall project. Uh, some of you know that in the fall, uh, we, we tore off our kitchen, uh, which was not at all uh, nerve-wracking for the guy who's responsible for a lot of the details of putting it back. Uh, we tore it off, and we only had about 60% of the funds to put it back. Uh, that, that was a scary step of faith. Uh, as we were standing there and the traco was going into our kitchen, the guy that chairs our building committee leaned over to me as we're watching this and goes, are you scared? I'm like, oh yeah, yeah, I'm terrified. Because uh, when you bring a whole bunch of kids to camp, you're kind of responsible to feed them and we were ripping the thing off that we used to feed the kids. Uh, and we needed to be able to put it back and we didn't have the money to put it back. At some point throughout, or at points throughout the winter, we, we've, we've actually hit zero dollars. 
and had to go to our contractors, to our constituency, and say, we're out of money, and be honest with our contractors and go, hey, look, you might need to stop building because we can't pay you anymore, and they, uh, being believers themselves, said, no, we're just going to continue to build because if we don't, you won't have this thing ready, and <laughs> the uh, project manager goes, I know that I'm far too emotionally involved and invested in this place, so we're just going to keep going. Uh, we now are only about uh, $85,000 short of, of what we need to make our kitchen operational. It has been incredible to watch the Lord provide funds. I've had people call me and go, we don't know where this money came from, but we're going to send it along to you guys. <laughs> wow. We've had people come to us and go, we, we're in a real tight spot, tight situation right now. We don't actually have the funds, but here's a gift anyway. Oh, just incredible as we've watched the Lord work through families. And, uh, and this is all just individuals, churches that have been blessing us. Uh, and so we want to say thank you. And uh, if you're willing and in interested in helping us cross the finish line with us, that would be great. In about two weeks' time, I know you guys are all nice and close and we're thinking spring cleaning. Uh, in about two weeks' time, we need to be cleaning our kitchen. Normally, it's a one-day, two-day project to clean our kitchen. Uh, but we all know that renovations create a whole lot of dirt and dust and debris. We're thinking that this is going to be about a two to three week process to clean our kitchen this year. Uh, we would love for you to come up, spend a couple hours with us helping us to clean. Uh, we'll be sending more information to you as a church on that and how you might be able to get involved in that. Again, this is just a real snippet of information. If you want to hear more stories, more, more about what we're doing as a ministry, uh, April 14th, 15th, we have our spring banquets coming up. April 14th is in Cola, Manitoba, uh, so if you're craving some good Mennonite home cooking, come join us there uh, at the, the church in Cola. Uh, April 15th, because, you know, we like to eat two great meals two nights in a row. Uh, April 15th, we'll be at the Wayburn uh, Church, Silver Heights Church in Wayburn, uh, and uh, if you've ever had Charlotte's Catering, they're the ones that are doing it. They are fantastic. Uh, we'd love for you to come and just join us for a meal, and uh, if you want to stick around and hear me talk or Clay talk some more, uh, you're welcome to do that as well, uh, but you're, you're invited. We just need to know by next Sunday if you're, you're interested in attending, and again, you can do that through our, through our website uh, or get in contact with the camp. Let me pray, and then we're going to dig into, uh, into God's Word here. Father, thank you uh, just for the incredible work that you're doing uh, through us as a ministry. We know that it's, it's not us, that it's you, and, and for the, the partnership that churches like One Church uh, have with us that, that help make what we do possible. It's fun to be able to celebrate your, your spirit at work in the lives of the kids and our staff and our volunteers and in our communities. Uh, thank you that you very much are still at work in, in our world and, uh, and that we, we get to, to, to watch you do that. I pray this morning that as we open your word that your spirit would be active in our hearts uh, that you would be uh, challenging us, encouraging us, and, uh, and that the message that you have for us, Lord, that we would be obedient uh, and following hard after that. We pray these things in your name. Amen. Uh, our theme for this summer is, is wait, because we know that everybody, especially kids, love waiting. So we're like, this is going to be uh, just the perfect theme. You know, show of hands, does everyone, anybody love waiting? Anybody? I've had one person in all the churches that we've been visiting put their hand up and they're like, I'm a bachelor. I got nothing to do. I love waiting. <laughs> like, I got four kids. I don't like waiting. We don't, right? It drives us nuts, you know, whether it's waiting for an event or a table at a restaurant, a response from a text, like, 
you know, you send a text and you go, I could really use a response, and you're sitting there watching, you see the three dots show up, and you're like, nothing. It drives us nuts, right? Businesses have made a fortune um, by making a product that is faster, more efficient, and, and so we enjoy that. We like faster cars, we like faster internet, we like less breaks. Services like Netflix or Prime, or they just keep there's a new one every month, it seems like. They, they make their, their, their fortune by allowing us to watch, allow us to watch what we want to watch, when we want to watch it. Uh, my boys don't understand the concept of a commercial. A commercial comes on when we're watching live sports, and they're like, Dad, can you skip this already? <laughs> Why do we have to watch this? We don't like waiting. Let me tell you a story. It's a, it's a very common story. It's one that, uh, that as, we're, as I'm telling it, you'll likely go, oh, I've heard this one before. But I want to place you in the story this time when we tell it. You are the age that you are right now. You have the marital status that you have right now. You have the same kids that you have right now, the same grandkids if you have grandkids that you have right now. The only difference here as you place yourself in this story from what, what is different from where your life is now to what it is in this story is that you're living in slavery. And you have been for your whole life. And, and life as you live in slavery only seems to be getting worse. The conditions and the expectations that are being placed upon you and your family only gets worse as the king that, that has enslaved you grows angry at you and your tribe's leaders. You wish or, or you long to be set free. But if you're honest with yourself, you don't even know what freedom is because you've never really experienced it. All you've ever known is slavery and bondage. And yet still you pray, knowing that there must be something be- better. Surely God cares about your troubles, but, but if so, where is he and where has he been? Why has he forgotten about us? And then something amazing happens. Your leaders tell you to pack up. Ready yourself because you're leaving. God has shown up and he's punished the king that's enslaved you and he's setting you free. Over the next few days, you find yourself traveling in this huge convoy as you and your entire tribe leave your, your, your state of bondage. Your family asks you where you're going, but you don't know. All you know is that you're following your leader. After days of traveling, you find yourself setting up camp next to a large body of water. There's a little confusion, but you're happy for the rest, and you trust your leaders. More importantly, you trust that God is the one that's leading you in this right way. As you sit resting, preparing, uh, sorry, as you sit resting, you know, preparing camp and checking your supplies. Okay, what did, we, what did we forget? Oh, man, I left that back. You start taking inventory. And then suddenly there's panic spreading throughout the camp. Starting on the outskirts, and they begin hearing these reports that a large army is approaching you. And soon you find out that it's actually worse than that, that the army is the army of your old king. Clearly he's angry and likely coming to drag you back into slavery or worse, just simply to wipe you out. Your family questions you. You question your leadership and you find that, he, that, that you have no answers. You and some of the others in your, your tribe approach the, the tribe's leadership to find out that, that your leader's just standing there, doing nothing, it seems. 
You ask what the plan is, and the man replies, God has told us to just wait here. Wait? What do you mean, wait? The wind is picking up. Clouds are forming between you and your camp and and the approaching armies. You can no longer see them. Uh, You can no longer see them through the fog. You find yourself feeling this rush of emotions as the responses by those around you seem as numerous as the people. Some are full of fear, some are angry, some are packing and threatening to leave the group. Others sit and just weep. Questions are everywhere. Where is God? Why did he lead us here? Did God lead us here or were we supposed to go somewhere else? Why would God do this to us? We have no weapons, only tools. Who's going to protect us? Should we just go and surrender? Should we beg to be slaves again? When is this army going to break through the fog? Why is our leader just standing there with a stick over the water? As you wait, you find your mind and your heart filling with fear, and then anger, and doubt, and sorrow. The joy that you had felt only hours before is is long gone. You're waiting for the Lord, and there seems to be no answer. Until again, there's a cry throughout the camp. The waters have been parted. The ground is dry, and all these reports seem confusing to you because that makes no sense in your mind. But yet, people are moving. And as the word spreads, you hear these these testimonies of that God has made a way. Salvation has come. God hasn't abandoned us. He's made a way out. When you look in your Bibles, you can find that story or, or a more accurate rendition of that story in Exodus 14. It's the story, or my synopsis, I guess, or summary of the story of, of Israel leaving the bondage of Egypt and heading to the Red Sea. And some of the questions that may have been going through people's minds as they just traveled, right? And as they got there and waited and yet found themselves questioning where, where Moses had led them to, Waiting, waiting isn't fun. We don't enjoy it, and yet when you read your Bible, when you open up scriptures and, and spend time in it, you find out that time and time and time again, God will lead his people somewhere and then just tell them to wait. Just hold on. If you have your Bibles this morning, you can turn to Psalm 130, and there is this, uh, this beautiful song, beautiful prayer uh, that we, ha- we find there. Let me read it. Psalm 130, out of the depths I cried to you, O Lord. O Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to the voice of my pleas for mercy. If you, O Lord, should mark iniquities, O Lord, who could stand? But with you there is forgiveness that you may be feared. Verse 5, I wait for the Lord. My soul waits, and in his word I hope. My soul waits for the Lord more than the watchman for the morning, more than the watchman for the morning. O Israel, hope in the Lord, for with the Lord there is steadfast love, and with him is plentiful redemption. He will redeem Israel from all of his iniquities. The psalmist begins this this prayer with this, this honest plea, honest plea of where they're at. I'm calling out to you, Lord, from the depths here. And they begin with this acknowledgement of their state and their need for the Lord. And following that plea to the Lord to intervene comes this admission of sin. 
that, that God, we need you and we're living in sorrow here, but we know that, that if you were to line up all of our faults and failures, we don't actually deserve what we're asking for. In fact, we deserve, deserve the opposite. The speaker understands that I'm not calling out to you because, because you need to give me mercy, but because I understand that it's the only possibility I have for hope in my life. And so the speaker understands that while the Lord could line him up, and, and he could do this with us too, line up everything that we've ever done wrong in our life and go, okay, this is exactly why you're not going to do it. Uh, we do this with our, maybe I do it, maybe I'm a bad parent. We often do this with our kids, right? Where they're like, I want to, you know, I want more screen time or more candy. And you're like, no, you're not getting this. Instead, you're getting an early bedtime because of this, 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 and this, this, right? And they plead for mercy and we go, no, sorry, you're going to bed because I want a break. Uh, <laughs> when, this was, when this was written, when this Psalm 130 was written, forgiveness that, that would, that's being asked for, forgiveness that's being talked about, was found through animal sacrifice. A blameless animal would be offered at the temple to pay for the punishment of the sins of the one offering it. But Christ changed all of that. This, this morning, this Sunday, we're celebrating Palm Sunday of Jesus entering into Jerusalem. That much like the Israelites that were living in Egypt under bondage were waiting and waiting for salvation, Israel now again, generations later, were living in their own land and finding themselves again under the bondage of the Roman Empire and going, we're crying out for this Messiah. And then Jesus enters in and they're singing, Hosanna, praise God, that he, our Messiah is here, only to find out that in a, a few days later that, man, we thought, we thought we were welcoming in a king, not some guy that was going to a cross. The salvation that they needed, the salvation that we needed, Christ was offering. And while it might look different than what we'd expect, it's exactly what we need. Same thing for the Israelites. As they stood there on the edge of the Red Sea, I'm sure that they were standing there going, Lord, we need you to just come in here and just wipe out these Israelites so that we can just walk around this Red Sea. And instead God goes, nope, walk through it. Well, that doesn't, that's not the salvation we were expecting. And again, as Israel was waiting for this Messiah and suddenly this, this Jesus shows up on a donkey and all of a sudden he's being hung on a cross and they're going, this isn't what we thought we were supposed to, we were asking for. And God goes, no, it's exactly what you need, though. Because we needed someone to take our place. Because we needed someone who was going to pay for that punishment, all the things that we did wrong, all the times that we screw up. We needed someone to pay for that thing permanently. And, and God sent his son and said, I'm going to do this for you. I'm going to create a way for you. So that now when we approach, approach the throne of God, we don't, we don't come there and God doesn't go, here's all the things that you've done wrong. And we can stand there and approach him because of the blood of Christ. Because Christ has made a way for us. Christ has become our salvation. Christ is the one that makes forgiveness possible for us. Man can ask us, by what right do you have to make a plea before a living God? And, and if I were asked that, my answer would simply be, I, d I don't. Me, on my own, I have no right to this. 
When we sin, we break his law. When we cheat, lie to our neighbor, we break his law. When we push others down to make ourselves greater, we break his law. And those things make us ineligible to stand before a holy God, ineligible to make a plea for mercy. And yet the speaker rightly understands that our holy God offers us mercy. Once through the sacrifice of animals, but not anymore. Now forgiveness is offered through Christ. And when we claim his sacrifice for our lives, we can enter into a presence of a holy God and say, Lord, I am living in sorrow here, and God will offer us mercy. The psalmist in 130, after making this uh, this plea and, and understanding their stance, then understands the next step. Verse 5, I wait for the Lord. My soul waits for the Lord, and in his word I hope. After crying out and acknowledging that this undeserved salvation can only come from the Lord, the speaker acknowledges, and again, the speaker acknowledges their current state, and they go, I, I know that I'm still in need, and yet I know that God is my only salvation, and so I wait. I'm not going to go off and try to find my own way. I'm not going to go off and try to find my own salvation. I know that everything that I need is from the Lord, and so I will wait for him. But as I wait, I'll remind myself of the truth of the Lord's word. I'll remind myself of all the times that God has been faithful to his people. When times of sorrow fill our lives, when we're overcome by the pain and sorrow in our world, one of the best practices is to simply just remind ourselves of the promises that God has made either to us or to his people throughout generations. To remind ourselves of the faithfulness of God has. To bathe ourselves in the truth of God's promises. Filling our lives with truth truth helps us to combat those fears, those doubts, those sorrows, temptations that may flood our minds, right? Because as we find ourselves in that state of sorrow, as we're sitting there making that, that honest plea of going, Lord, we need you. Lord, our community needs you. And as we sit there and go, why isn't God doing anything in my own life? Or why isn't God doing anything in my community? And you're just sitting there going, where is this hope? Where is this hope that you, you so clearly promised, Lord? Where is it? And as we wait, we're reminded to remind ourselves of of the truth. Remind ourselves because those things help us to combat the fears that may come. Oh, Lord, I couldn't possibly do that. The sorrow that may set in. The doubt that may set in. The temptations as they set in. Those things, truth, bathing ourselves in truth becomes our defense to that. The speaker then turns their attention to the larger community. Verse 7, O Israel, hope in the Lord, for with the Lord there is steadfast love, and with him is plentiful redemption, and he will redeem Israel from all of his iniquities. The interesting thing that I find with this as you read Psalm 130 is that there isn't a break or a point of of after uh, verse 6 that the the speaker doesn't go, oh great, and, and after I waited, then the Lord showed up and freed me, and now, O Israel, hope in the Lord. No. The way I read this, the way I understand this is that their, their state doesn't, hasn't changed yet from verse 1 when they were saying, out of the depths I'm crying out to you, Lord. 
That from still in that state, as they're reminding themselves of who God is and bathing themselves in that truth, at the same time they're turning their attention to their greater communities and going, you too need to hope in the Lord. And they might look at you and go, but look at your life. Look at the sorrow you find yourself. Yes, but God is my only hope. Even in this state, this troubling state, God is my only hope. And he is your only hope too. For with the Lord there is steadfast love, and with him is plentiful redemption. And so we wait. But our waiting, and this is maybe the struggle that we had as we chose this for a theme for this summer. Because when, when you and I think of waiting, right, none of us, we all agreed at the beginning of this that we don't enjoy waiting. When you and I think of waiting, we think of this, right? Or nowadays we think of this as we just sit there and scroll through our phones, right? No one walks into Costco and is like, ah, oh, great, the line's all the way back to the produce section. You really don't do that when you have four boys. That's not fun. But that's what we think of waiting. Scripture thinks of waiting entirely different. Titus chapter 2, um, Paul, I think, paints a great picture to Titus on what, what waiting in God's mind looks like. Titus 2, beginning in verse 11, Paul writes, For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation to all people, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions, and to live self-controlled, upright, godly lives in this present age, waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of our glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people for his own possession who are zealous for doing good works. As we wait, we keep our eyes fixed on God's truth. Understanding that God is calling us to live, right, live lives of righteousness. And so our waiting isn't just this passive, idle life. If that's our life, if that's your life as you're sitting here waiting for the Lord, you're missing out on so much of what God has for you. So much of what God wants to do through you. We see time and time again in Scripture that God's people are called to live lives of following hard after what His will is for their life. And that takes faith. Faith that at times finds ourselves between our enemy and a Red Sea. Waiting for the Lord. Wondering, did we go the right direction? Am I, am I living in the right community? Did I take the right job? God, where are you in this? My world seems full of darkness. Lord, you should just break through. Would your spirit just break through and create a revival? Oh, we long for that right? And yet, we find ourselves waiting. And we may start to doubt, is God actually at work? <laughs> I find different points in my life and in my job that there's, I get all the boring stuff, Clay gets all the fun stuff. And so I find myself at, full of frustration at times. Friday afternoon at four o'clock, I discovered I had a frozen water line and I had 20 people showing up at camp. Frozen water lines that are buried under frozen ground are really not fun to deal with. And I'm sitting there going, this as our theme. I'm wondering how many times the Lord is going to preach our theme at me. <laughs> Very small things of going, I don't need this frustration right now, Lord. The water line is still frozen. Half the, half the group didn't show up, which meant that they didn't need the building that had the frozen 
God makes his ways. But as I'm sitting there in frustration, Clay sends me this email from a parent, one of our staff members who's coming back this year, and it's this dad who is expressing gratitude to us in a camp because of the work that he has seen and how he's seen God work through his daughter and through the relationships that she's built. He doesn't in his email mention me or Clay. He's just thankful for the work that the Lord is doing through our ministry. Man, that was just the, the reminder of God's truth that, that lifted my spirits again of going, all oh, right, God is at work. Even when I'm frustrated about what my, my current, even small, little minute details like a frozen water line. But we live in an instant society. When sorrow hits, we want to be able to call out to the Lord and go, okay, where are you? Why aren't you here? Why haven't you shown up yet? We want God in all of his fullness now. But God calls his people to wait. Psalm 130. Out of the depths I cry to you, O Lord. O Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to the voice of my pleas for mercy. If you, O Lord, should mark iniquities, O Lord, who could stand? But with you there is forgiveness that you may be feared. I wait for the Lord. My soul waits, and in his word I hope. My soul waits for the Lord more than the watchman for the morning, more than the watchman for the morning. O Israel, hope in the Lord, for with the Lord there is steadfast love, and with him is plentiful redemption, and he will redeem Israel from all of his iniquities. This is, this is our message this summer. This is our launching point that we like to look at our theme as, our launching point into the gospel, as we announce that there is hope to be found in this world through Christ. But it's also our message of discipleship that life is going to be filled with times of sorrow, times when we feel that God isn't near, times where we find ourselves full of temptation and sin luring around us. And when those times come, that our response should be as the psalmist responded verse 5 i wait for the lord my soul waits and in his word i hope let's pray father you didn't abandon israel when they were stuck on the edge of the red sea you didn't abandon your people when they were ripped off and sent off into exile and you didn't abandon your people when they have again found themselves in bondage under the Roman Empire. You haven't abandoned your people time and time and time again. And yet, Lord, I know that so often in our lives we feel, we want to feel abandoned. We want to feel like we're being left alone. And we know that that isn't true. We know through your word that you show up that you are a salvation for your people. And so, Father, I pray that, that those that might, may find themselves currently in a state of sorrow, that they would know that they're not standing alone, that their hope can be found in you. That as we look across our world and see the darkness that seems to be invading our nations, that, that we know that, that you are still very much at work. And so we wait. Lord, remind us of your faithfulness as we wait because we know that it's with you that we find salvation. Thank you that you don't abandon us. I pray these things in your name. Amen. Amen.